0: Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining the ride. And if this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuously supporting me and the show. So of course, in this episode, I've got your news and gossipish and so much has happened within the past two days. And we're going to go into all of that here and I've got a special interview with Manny McDonald. With Manny Matati and Jason Cosmedes, who are responsible for recording the infamous curtain call incident involving Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Sean Waltman, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash 25 years ago this week. So, if you're ready to sink your teeth into this special episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, chill out get you like a cup of tea or something but because this is probably one of the best interviews i've ever done so sit back relax and listen to the hardy wrestling podcast okay so in news and gossipish today there is so much going on even within the past few hours that we're going to discuss so I just want to go into it right now um today we got word actually yesterday into today we got word of NXT releases um of course a few weeks ago um close to the day a year ago where WWE released a whole bunch of people due to budget cuts during the first half of the pandemic they released people along the lines of Samoa Joe, Mickey James and so many others right so starting yesterday they made some NXT releases as well and some of them are very devastating while others have been kind of yeah everyone was kind of rooting for those to happen so the first person I'm going to talk about is Jessamine Duke who is part of the Four Horsewomen of the MMA, along with Shayna Baszler, who is a two-time NXT Women's Champion and, uh, I believe at this point, a two-time um, NXT, not NXT, a two-time WWE Women's Tag Team Champion alongside Nike Jacks, Ronda Rousey, who is a former Raw Women's Champion who hasn't been active, you know, in the past couple of years and is now pregnant with her first child. Congratulations to her. And, um... Marina Shafir who is also married to Roderick Strong and really we haven't really seen any of the other two horsewomen on NXT television in such a long time and it's kind of weird because one of the things that a lot of the fans were pushing was the fact that they wanted you know a four horsewomen battle between charlotte flair sasha banks becky lynch and bailey you know to go up against these four horsewomen since they were all in wwe at certain points but it's looking like they're not gonna do that and they've just let they've let jessamine do go i believe the last time we even saw jessamine it had to have been on Raw Underground. Y'all Y'all remember that? So yeah, like now she's been cut. Um, Vanessa Bourne has also been released and she used to be a dancer, I believe for an NFL team. I think it was the, the Arizona Cardinals. And I remember the first time I saw her, it was at the first NXT live show that actually came to Birmingham at the BJCC um for those who are from Birmingham who knows what that is and i thought she was really pretty you know i thought she was you know really nice on the eyes and she had the potential to grow but then it's just like we hadn't really seen her that much we maybe saw her maybe twice on television and then after that she was just gone and she would post on instagram every now and again but really we didn't see that much from her in terms of wrestling and i almost thought that she was going to make a comeback When they had that puppy, you know, running um, on NXT, giving the preview of what turned out to be Frankie Monet, who formerly was um, Valkyrie. I mean, Taya Valkyrie from TNA and Impact. So now she's gone. Vanessa's gone. And Alexander Wolf is gone. And that was really surprising to me because Imperium, you know, he was in Imperium, but then they beat up on him, the other two members. Um, beat up on him this past week on NXT and then basically wrote him out. So and basically called him the weak link of Imperium. So now Imperium is just of um, Walter and Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. And it's so sad because Alexander Wolfe kind of made a little bit of a comeback with Imperium because Sanity basically got dismantled. And really the only people left from what Sanity used to be is... Nikki Cross and Killian Dane because the because now Alexander Wolf's gone and Eric Young has been been released from WWE and now he's back in Impact. So now Alexander Wolf is gone. Um so he alluded that on Twitter he there's so much more that he wants to say but then can't really say right now, um, in terms of his plans for continuing his wrestling career. But we wish all of these people the best. Now we're going to talk about the more notorious releases that happened um, last night into today. Drake Wirtz, I believe is what his name was. He was referee at NXT for a long while. And his rap sheet was really, really long. And a lot of people on social media were really happy that he got released last night. And this is all along the lines of him sort of being problematic here um one of them was the fact that he refused to wear a mask um it was reported that he refused to wear a mask um in the performance center and um it was also reported that he was suspended earlier this year and banned from the Capitol wrestling center for a time and somebody found screenshots of him last november um being a supporter of the proud boys and QAnon. And if you do watch the news, you do know who these people are. Um, I won't get into it on here, but just know that it's really problematic that you're a part of that. You know, you you would follow these hateful groups or whatever. And he also brought more heat upon himself. um, After trying to weasel his way into certain roles backstage And he also had multiple issues with people of color in the company and almost got into a fight with EJ Nduka, whose real name is Ezra Judge, and I believe he also got released too. So the last straw that for me, that really kind of just hit hit it for me, was when they reported that Triple H was giving a speech about Black Lives Matter last year, talking about different races and religions being welcomed into WWE, he reportedly aggressively gathered his stuff and left and he was really critical of any wrestlers who decided to get the COVID-19 vaccine so needless to say this guy was just a pretty hateful person and he was very problematic and when those you know and when the report started coming out earlier before he got released I was wondering you know if if there was some way shape or form of which he could possibly you know allow other wrestlers of color to get put in danger and i would watch for that on television but then again that would never happen on tv so but at the very least at least you know we don't have to worry about that happening now because he's gone and then today it was breaking news a couple hours ago that the velveteen dream aka patrick um clark has been released from wwe And his is definitely, definitely notorious in the idea that he got caught um, possibly sending inappropriate pictures to underage girls. And since then, you know, he was kind of off and on on television. He was kind of on TV sometimes, but then off TV for another time and then back on TV because um, he was hated and stuff like that. And he had turned heel to being back off TV permanently. And the last time anybody saw him, it had to be probably around November or December of last year. And he had basically just been benched. So now it's official. He's released now. And it's such a shame that you got caught up in the okey-doke because he was one of the favorites that a lot of fa- a lot of fans really loved him. He was one of the favorites to get called up to the main roster at some point, or to possibly win the NXT Championship at some point. He was an NXT North American Champion. Like there was so much that he, so much potential that he had. Considering that he really came from tough enough, and he was known as one of the most arrogant people on the show. But he knew that he was really good, and he knew what he had to offer was good. And then when he created this character, it was like. You know, him being this androgynous character It was one of the best um, androgynous characters that WWE ever had But he got caught up, so now he's gone And it's really a shame when so many people get released at a time Because you want the best for all these talented people But ultimately, you know, it's not up to us as fans It's always up to, you know, the business Because at the end of the day, WWE, you know They may really care about these people But at the end of the day, it's a business So you have to cut your losses And I really hope the best for um, some of these least problematic people who got released. Now, the other problematic ones, uh, goodbye. So, yeah. Also in the news, we have um, Las Vegas being a lead candidate for um, SummerSlam to take place. And it was reported by Dave Meltzer, who we sort of take as, you know somebody who has news but with a grain of salt um, because he doesn't necessarily have like the best you know confirmation of things Um, he confirmed that Allegiant Stadium in Paradise Nevada is the leading candidate to host SummerSlam this year and um, it was also stated via the Wrestling Observer that that the um, stadium is the home of the NFL's Las Vegas Raiders who is my boyfriend's favorite football team. Um, <laughs> um. And then Sports Illustrated's Justin Barraza reported on Thursday That it will take place in Nevada this August But didn't exactly state which city or which venue Was going to be um, hosting the event So it's also being reported That they're going to have a live crowd there as well Just like they did for Wrestlemania this year And it's also reported that Money in the Bank Is supposed to be held in Texas With a live audience as well so, it was reported um a few I want to say last month that they're going to try to get back to touring um maybe. So, I feel like this might be a good start to sort of start with some of your bigger pay-per-views first and then ease into touring because of course, COVID is still a very real thing. Even though people are getting their vaccines and stuff, you know, it's still good to be safe. So, I think it's cool that at the very least they're trying. Um To give people something. So if that's the case, then that's really cool that you're having, you know, SummerSlam in a place like Las Vegas, you know, where there's so much to do. There's all this. There's the strip. There's the glamour of all the casinos and stuff. So I think that's amazing. Um, Also in the news, we have Jazz um, talking about possibly going into the WWE Hall of Fame. I was actually lucky enough to meet Jazz this past weekend (laughs) at the Belladonna Division show Genesis. She is such a nice woman and she's just so talented. I'm lucky to even be breathing the same, to even have been breathing the same air as her and even commentating a tag team match that she participated in with The Wode as her partner up against Heather Monroe and Ray Lynn. Like, shout out to those girls. Um, I was so happy to have met her. She's so nice. So she... um, talked to the Angle podcast and she discussed, you know, possibly taking her place in the Hall of Fame. And she said that it's something that she would like to be a part of while she's still here on this earth. And she's quoted as saying, me being a Hall of Famer for WWE, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that will ever happen. I just want to say this. If it's ever going to happen, do it while I'm alive. Don't wait until I'm dead and gone. I would like to be there and share that moment with my kids don't bring my kids up on the stage with tears in their eyes wishing their mom was there to receive this give me my flowers while I live don't let me die and be forgotten about and then oh yeah here if it were to happen I would love to be inducted by Paul Heyman and it's good that she said that because in terms of Paul Heyman he brought a lot of people into the wrestling business and he's also responsible for bringing her through ECW um which was his baby, you know. And while she was at ECW, she joined the Impact Players alongside Lance Storm, Justin Credible and Jason Knight um and then she left the company before it was before it filed for bankruptcy. And she competed in WWE from 2001 to 2004 where she faced Hall of Famers such as Lita, Trish Stratus, Molly Holly, and Jacqueline. And, you know, she made all kinds of history. And she is one of the reasons why we why we even have women like Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair and so many other black female wrestlers doing their thing all across the indies and stuff like that. So I would love for WWE to actually give her her flowers while she's here because they do be given. Giving women, you know, Hall of Fame stuff when... They're not here, you know, when they've passed on and I would love for her to give her speech and tell her story, you know, from her perspective. So that would be really, really cool. I would actually say that maybe Teddy Long should induct her into the Hall of Fame, but that's just me. So, (laughs) yeah, um, that was a cool thing to see. And I'm just really happy to have actually met her. If you want to see the picture we took together, you can look on my social medias and and check that out. That was amazing. And I'm going to talk more about that in my next episode so also in the news we have Thea trinidad um formerly known as Zelina vega possibly returning um to the main roster in wwe so it was reported by sean ross Sapp of fightful select that she might be returning to wwe because they saw her um reportedly returning to the performance center no one knows why exactly um, she may be making a return she might have been bringing um, Alistair Black something because he said to make his return to the ring pretty soon with all of his vignettes at um, Smackdown and stuff or she could be you know recording stuff for a some type of documentary of sorts that they might be doing on Simone Johnson that's what the rumors are um, so according to Steve Carrier of Ringside News um, that It might be she might be returning to the main roster and not just going through NXT. And no one knows if she's going to come back as a performer, as a wrestler like she was before she got fired last year or if she's going to be a manager for Aleister Black. I mean, either way, I feel like she has the personality and the fire and the talent to do it. And if she truly is coming back, I'll be so happy because I miss her. Um, like I seriously miss her. Like I love me some Selena Vega, and I've talked about it multiple times on the show. So if she's returning, then please let her return. Please make her come back. Um. Also, um, speaking of Simone Johnson, the Rock's daughter, um, she's reportedly making great progress at the performance center, um, as she trains for her eventual debut. Um, She was reported as being the most improved developmental talent in squats for a period of January um, up until May of this year. And um, it was reported that the second most improved in squats was Skylar Story. Um, But she had just been released, you know, yesterday as well. And it was reported that she, you know, began training at the Performance Center and that she had signed a contract. So I think it's really cool that... um, She, I believe she's the first um, fourth generation person to wrestle for the WWE at this point because she comes, of course, from a long line of amazing wrestlers in terms of um, the My Vias and also in terms of, you know, The Rock and his father as well. So I'm all for other, I'm all for supporting women of color wrestlers. And she definitely represents, you know, two different, you know, races in terms of being black and Samoan so I'm really happy for her and I'm glad that she's making great progress and lastly on the docket for news we have um AEW Rampage you know to debut on TNT on August the 13th and AEW Dynamite moving to TBS in January of next year so All Elite Wrestling announced that um they're going to create a new television show um a new television show called A.W. Rampage That will debut on TNT On August the 13th at 10pm Eastern and that's uh, Friday I believe And it's going to be an hour long show And is going to join Dynamite as A.W.'s Second weekly television show And Dynamite um, Which has been on Wednesday Nights on TNT since It started is going to be moving to TBS Starting next year So additionally AEW is also going to have four new professional wrestling specials annually on TNT. So Patrick Hypes from Deadline um, talked to Tony Khan, the CEO of AEW, following the the forthcoming additions and changes. So um, he said, as a lifelong wrestling aficionado who's privileged to present AEW to longtime and new fans alike, it means a lot to me personally and professionally to share the news that AEW will call TBS home beginning in 2022. The history of wrestling in the United States cannot be told without acknowledging the contributions of TBS, which as WTBS years ago, delivered wrestling to the Southeast and eventually to a massive national audience. TBS has um, the same passion for wrestling today, but will offer AEW and our fans more primetime programming, content, and global opportunities that will establish TBS as the world's undisputed destination for wrestling. And... It's also interesting that Rampage is gonna come on on Friday nights after SmackDown goes off. And this isn't me trying to be really messy or trying to stir a pot or whatever, you know, do a whole war thing because Triple H has definitely said, you know, that there was no war going on or whatever between AEW and WWE. But there's someone in the AEW circle um, who has a tendency to talk about WWE and talk about you know how AEW sent NXT running to a completely different night in terms of Tuesdays and I just feel that if you feel like AEW has all this smoke then if you were gonna put a show on um the same night as a WWE show why don't you just put them on at the same time just so you could see exactly how they could go Um, in terms of the main roster show, like Raw or SmackDown, but I guess they didn't want to do that. They just wanted to put it afterwards. So I guess maybe they really don't want any type of smoke at all, or they just want to just do something different. I don't know. So AEW is going to have more and more stuff going on. And that's a good thing for people who are huge fans of AEW, so that's going to be good for them. And that's all for news and gossipish And now we're going to go to my special interview with Mani Mutati and, J- and Jason Cosmita's The Curtain Call Kids. All right, so um, in this special interview for the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, I have two very special guests. On the 25th anniversary of their um, curtain call video being recorded, we have Manny Matadi and Jason Cosmetis. How are you guys doing?
3: Hey Stephanie, thank you for
2: having us. Yes, thank you for having us.
0: Great. We're good. Great, so I'm gonna ask you a question that I ask all of my guests, and that's when did the both of you fall in love with wrestling?
2: For me, it was 1987, and been watching since. It's been a lifelong dream of mine just to be a wrestling fan. I mean, that was like my biggest passion in life, was just wrestling and everything about it, inside and outside the business as well.
3: And uh, for me, I would probably say around the same time, I remember my first memory of watching pro wrestling was like Saturday night's main event. Uh, I remember uh, I remember seeing like Andre and Hogan and I just became just hooked on it after that. And um, that's, that's, that's how far I go back.
0: Okay, so who were some of your favorite wrestling stars, you know, growing up as you were watching it back then?
3: Oh, well, for me, I would say uh, the Hulk, you know, Hulk Hogan, uh, Ultimate Warrior, um, you know, Demolition, uh, Mr. Perfect, uh, who else, let's see, uh, you know, and then, then it became, it became, uh, you know, the new generation like, uh, Bret the Hitman Hart, Diesel, uh, Kevin Nash, Razor Ramon. Uh, yeah, that that that's that's those are the ones that stick out for me. What about you, Manny?
2: Well, obviously you know of all time, Shawn Michaels. But if you go back, Demolition, of course, you know Rick Rude, Ted DiBiase, Macho Warrior. You know Jake. I mean, you can't forget that. Mostly guys from the eighties. But if you know, start going in the nineties. You know, Mike Awesome. You know, uh, just about everybody in
0: ECW. Okay, so those are pretty solid favorites there. Um, It's like you sort of mentioned the who's who are basically people. A lot of people that would be recognizable amongst, you know, various um, fan groups and just people who aren't even really like fan things, you know. So those are really solid choices there. Um, So were your family members ever into wrestling at all? Or was it just a you guys thing?
2: Well, me and my brother used to go to uh, shows a lot. And uh, then Jason became my new brother and we started going to shows a lot. And my dad used to take me to uh, ECW events and then me and Jay used to go to ECW events as well as WWF and WCW shows.
3: Yeah, no, for me, it was uh, it was just me and, and my house. Uh, I think I tried to get my brother involved with it, but uh, no, he wasn't he wasn't interested. And then, you know, I went to a few events I was, I was young, so you know my, my dad went. And then as I got older, I went with my friends. You know, met Manny in high school, and then we started going to to house shows, and and he introduced me to ECW. Went to ECW, and uh, pay per views, and and yeah, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much uh, you know my uh, my history with uh, going to uh, going to events and being a fan.
0: Okay, so you guys mentioned how you went to ECW shows. Were those pretty wild? Because from what I see from different old clips and stuff, those shows were kind of crazy. So how how were your experiences with ECW shows?
2: My first ECW show was February 3rd of 1996 in Queens, New York. Me and my dad, we brought a bag, of course, of beer, a boxing glove, light bulbs, some other... <laughs> weapons that you, you were allowed to bring in at the time and you know a couple of the wrestlers did actually use some of the stuff that we were that was in our bags which is awesome because that's wow. what I saw that that they were doing in Philly and I was like you know what let's do that you know let's bring in all these weapons and, and see if they use it which they did and it was such an amazing experience seeing all those guys because when I, when I was going to those shows I was like oh I know these guys from The 80s i know these these guys were in the wwf or wcw and now they're here this is cool you know Mm -hmm. shane douglas is here you know it's like oh awesome
0: wow that's pretty crazy
3: yeah um as far as like ecw goes i mean manny introduced me to ecw Mm -hmm. as like an alternative wrestling product and i was just so hooked on it i was so fascinated that the, the edginess as wild as, as it was the reality based. It seemed the music was real. They played real hip hop. They played real rock. It wasn't, it wasn't your, you know, it wasn't the type. It was just, they didn't make their own music. It was me, real music heard on the radio. Um, and it was just, it was just, uh, an, an awesome experience when we went to our first show is the best way I can describe it. And you know, I got into certain times so were a lot different back then. I mean, um, it was like it was like going to a wrestling event uh and a rock concert at the same time and um the wrestlers would, would you know get in the crowd and it just it's like you were part you were part of the show like you know um and it took a couple of years for for uh wwf and wcw to kind of catch on to that that fans actually enjoyed that stuff you know
0: yeah, that just sounds really cool to actually be a participant, you know, in the audience, you know, in that mm-hmm. way. So I'm, I imagine it has to be a beautiful time to sort of reminisce on and sort of remember because, of course, you know, um, one of the only ways that some of us can really only, you know, interact um, well now because of the pandemic, is right. through, you know, being a part of the audience digitally. But then even when stuff was normal, it's like we would do certain chants and sometimes the wrestlers will react and stuff like that, but it wasn't ever anything that much interactive, you know, for fear of, you know, different things popping off and different things happening cuz some fans can get a little bit wild and, you know, jump in the, sh- the show and stuff like that. Yep. So, it's cool that that you guys had that experience. So, um how how many how many wrestling events would you say you guys had went to before um, the one that subsequently changed your life?
3: You mean together or just in together
0: general? or in basically together?
3: Well, I met Manny in 1994. Um, I was going to the house shows with another uh, high school friend of ours, um, and. Manny and I started going, I want to say we started going to some events at MSG in late 1995. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we went to a few shows. That's when I started to record a few of the house shows to bring the, um, the, the, the I'm sure we'll get more into that, but, um, and then there was a, yeah, I would say about maybe three or four, uh house shows around the New York area that we went to and you have to understand at at that time nothing really happened much at house shows all the all the anything that would happen like title changes or heel turns would usually happen on tv the house shows were kind of a tour you know they would go from city to city so you really didn't see much and um I remember I think at some point I don't know. At some point, Manny was like, you know, why are you taping this for? Nothing happens. You know, you know this. You, you've been to these shows. Nothing ever happens. You know, it's
2: wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You you're, wasting you know? your time.
3: <laughs> you're you're
2: what are, what are you doing? T- this, same results every night and <laughs> the title changes. And then a minute later goes back to the person. You know, it's like it's a house show. What do you expect? Stop doing this. You know, it's not <laughs> worth it
3: you you're, you're risking yourself getting caught and taking your your camera away, you know. And
2: I'm I'm glad he didn't listen to me because otherwise <laughs> we wouldn't be here. If he would have listened <laughs> to me then I would have you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny cuz even when you go to house shows now, um so I was just telling Jason earlier Manny that I'm from Birmingham, um and so whenever yes. house shows come here, you know, it's still cool to go see you know even though you know of it's course. not the live television show but at the same time it's like you know that basically nothing major is going to change except maybe a couple of times like it's been a couple of times in the in more recent years where stuff has changed you know and titles have changed and stuff like that but it's really right. really rare right so it's just you know it's just really cool you know i actually enjoy going to house shows um, and I really just miss live shows, period, at this point. Like, I cannot wait until everything sort of, you know, gets back to normal so we can start going to live shows again. Because those are just my favorite things um, to yeah. do.
3: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You... Yeah. You're you saying you and everybody else. So believe me, once, once they can start filling the seats, yeah, they're going to have sold out, sold out shows um no doubt about that a lot of people missed that
0: yeah definitely like i was happy to see live fans at wrestlemania this year even though Mm -hmm. it was so few and stuff like that but it's just the principle of just seeing them there like that was really good like that that made me feel fans mean a
2: lot the fans mean a lot i mean even before the pandemic some of the shows were piped in crowd noise i couldn't get with that now it's (laughs) like okay you're invited to thunderdome you can you can do this. You can do this. You can't do that. Can't do that. There's ten things you can't do. You can't wear this type of shirt. You can't do this on camera. This and otherwise they'll just boot you. You have to cheer for who you. They want you to cheer. You have to boo for who they want you to be boo. It's like oh man, that's too much. There's too much to take in. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's a lot. Um, but it, I feel you know good about the idea that at least there is still trying to find ways to include us and still make it fun.
2: way in some way, yeah.
0: Yeah, in some way all right mm-hmm. so I wanted to ask you had you both known the existence of the clique before um the moment happened that you guys caught on camera
2: not at all I mean the only no no the only thing we saw is what was on TV with razor and diesel being friends and Sean and diesel being friends just what we saw on camera nothing about hunter anyway and I had a 800 hotline back then and I had no idea that Hunter was friends with all of them and I had to know everything back then because I had to update the hotline every day and uh, no, we had no idea.
0: Okay, so what type of hotline was this? Because you mentioned it and I don't I don't exactly know what that is because around that time I was like maybe two years old. So, <laughs> what was that? Back then,
2: it was, uh, I started around like 96. It was an 800 hotline which I had three lines. One was a 1 800 news line. The other one was a question and answer hotline where the fans call in and then I answer their questions. And then the third one was a merchandise hotline where they can buy tapes or VHS copies for me for certain shows. And it, it got pretty popular because I actually got the number on Raw on a sign when I was in the front row. And that helped it out a lot, a lot too. Back before when, uh, back then, we had basically just wrestling hotlines where you would call into or dirt sheet writers now it's all you know podcasts and I love the way it's coming to and the and the uh, internet news sites but that's what we had back then those were the only two choices with the hotlines and and the dirt sheet writers where you would sign up and you get it in the mail all the news that's happening
3: yeah and most of the time when we got them it was late <laughs> you know yes
2: like that's stuff another already thing.
3: happened it's like we're reading it and it's like Wait, we already know that that you know they're they're uh, telling us the, the raw results, you know the superstar results because they already they already happened, you know because a lot of the times they did the the recordings and or tapings and it was like weeks out. So
0: okay, so if that was the case, then I would. Is it safe to assume that you guys may or may not have known that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were leaving WWE to go to WCW?
2: Well, a weird, weird story, which I know Scott Hall never has admitted. And I know Kevin Ash Ash hasn't admitted. You know, Scott Hall says his 90-day clause he gave, which would have been February or whatever it was. But I used to call Howard Finko's wrestling hotline, and he used to update house shows when this wrestler is appearing here and there. Uh And randomly, he blurted out oh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are assigned to WCW and it was just out of random because he would never give that kind of information out not only that, nobody knew their real names at the time, but I did because I had a wrestling hotline so I had to know everything, and all this time that's like, and this was back in January, so February March, April, May, that's like five months, I know these guys are selling out they're leaving us, and I'm so pissed and like i knew they were going to be jobbed out o- over the next months and i see what's going on and so i knew it for a, i knew it for a long time there i mean scott hall has always, always said he gave his 90 days but it was more than that because i i believe howard Finkel's word was true
0: hmm. wow that's a that's a lot so can you both describe how it, how you, how the both of you, you know, felt that night when you watched the click embrace each other um, that night in 1996.
2: Jay, okay, you want to go first?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shocked. You know, we, we were. I uh, was definitely shocked uh, because wrestling back then was was very black and white. Good guy, bad guy. You never saw them shaking hands after the match um it just was just out of the ordinary you know and hugging kissing in the ring and we're like what what the hell is going on and you know then you see you see hunter come in you see razor and they're doing this 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 click sign and it was just it was just this is shocking you know and um we were just i mean Manny was definitely. If you heard, he had the true raw, react, you know, raw emotion that a lot of us were were feeling that
0: that <laughs> night. You know,
2: I mean, the annoying kid, the annoying, annoying screaming kid.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I won't say you were being annoying though, because I won't say that because I probably would have reacted the same way. So I can't even pretend that I'm not loud. So it's okay. <laughs>
2: It was actually magical because usually I'm not that vocal. I'm usually a shy person, but that that whole card was amazing. I mean, it was magic. Going into it, we didn't think much. It was just okay. Cage match, Sean Diesel, but you know, you had you had Steve Austin going up against um, Jake Roberts, and you had that's when he was starting to become Stone Cold Steve Austin. You had the return of the Ultimate Warrior at Madison Square Garden facing Owen Hart,
3: which yep.
2: happened to he broke his.
3: Broke his wrist.
2: Yeah, that's why you see him wear his cast all the time after that. Because uh, that shoulder tackle that the warrior gave him. It was the night the tag team titles changed and state changed. Yeah, <laughs> at the Garden.
3: Th- that was on Raw the next. Yeah, the next day.
2: But that was that was pure pure emotion, you know, because it just mind blew me. Not just when it's like face turn, heel turn. When Diesel lost, he was a heel, and then. couple seconds later, Michael's embraced him. Okay, so here you go, Kevin Nash, now he's face again. And Scott Scott Hall comes out, all right, this is cool. And then when Hunter comes out, it's like mind blowing because why is he even coming out? You know, it's like, what's the point of this? And it it was incredible that night. And we purposely sat in the 300 sections all the way on top so we wouldn't get caught with the camera or we wouldn't get it (laughs) taken away. He knew I had
3: that figured out. I had that, uh, yeah can't get too close with a camera. That,
2: that was Jason's idea. No, let's not sit in the 200s. Let's not sit in the 100s. You know, that's where all the lights are. Everybody sees us. We, he purposely got us tickets for 300s. Let's sit far back. Nowadays, it's different. Like, in the last few years, we are always in the front row. But back then, we purposely went in the back. And, Jay, I want you to tell the story that how everybody thinks we sneaked in or smuggled in the cameras. Why don't you tell them how we really got it in? Because what you tell me all the time, is like the actual truth.
3: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I didn't want to say ab- about uh, like Manny said. It wasn't just the um, the cage match, the curtain call that was special that night. The whole the whole event was special. I mean, it felt like a pay per view event, and it was a house show, and it was non televised, and that's what we were like. We were really excited about about going. I mean a Sunday night is a school night you know normally our parents would be like no you're you're not going to to New York City which <laughs> was like about a little over an hour train ride away um, you know it was a school night I mean it was like in May it was almost the end of the year finals were coming up and uh, we really wanted to go and and we're we're, we're glad that we did but um, as going back to with 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 the camera a lot of people think that the cameras, unlike today, they're you know on your cell phone. They're they're, they're like pocket cams. They're just uh, sorry. They're just easy to. Uh, you know, they're just more you know uh, portable. Back then, the the VHS cameras gen- generally were 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 bigger. I had a VHS C camera, which was like half the size, and the little tapes actually fit in like this little shell that you would play in a. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you would actually play in a in a regular VHS in a VHS uh, player. So the camera wasn't that big, it wasn't that heavy. It actually fit in a in a in a in a in a camera bag, and just enough that I had enough batteries and tape to tape about two hours, maybe two and a half hours of the of the uh, the event. So um, on uh, if many remembers on extended play. The poorer quality, yes. but you EP, get more. Yeah. You get Six EP hours you on, a, you get... on
2: that one. Six four and two. LP SP SP LP. Yeah,
3: I schooled Manny on that, and he was like, he thought I was crazy, and I said, no, you have to pay attention to this stuff, <laughs> you know, otherwise you're never going to run out of tape. And um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, so that's how I figured to figure out enough battery, enough tape, and we almost didn't capture the curtain
2: call. Yes, because I was an almost idiot. Almost didn't and capture. I,
3: Really? And I, was, I,
2: was, I, was, I was pressuring Jason to film us starting the Scott Hall, You Sold Out chant because I was so pissed off that he was leaving. And I started this chant and we were in the 300 section. I'm starting this chant like nobody's following. And then after a while, a few people start chanting. It's like, how can you be the one that start the chant and also film the current call? It's true. And then finally, the whole crowd started chanting. It and I was like, Jay, did you get that? No, he actually cut off the cameras, and I was so upset at him. I'm like, why'd you do that? But he did it for the right, right reasons, and he, his mind was somewhere else. He he probably said to himself, I got to get this cage match on tape in its entirety. And if it wasn't for yeah. that, then he, maybe <laughs> he would have gotten the full finish to the match, but he wouldn't have gotten the current call, and then we wouldn't be here.
3: Right, right. The. yeah the battery or the or I would have ran out of tape it was it was cutting it pretty close
2: battery or tape um, and I'm glad all these times he didn't listen to me
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's insane I feel actually my best friend would appreciate this part of the conversation because she's a photographer and she records things so I'm pretty sure she would appreciate that entire this entire component about you having a smaller camera and just being able to get that in there like that is amazing (laughs) and you didn't mention
2: how you you didn't even
0: mention how you got it
2: in though you you have to tell them that (laughs) how you got the camera in all Uh, the time six seven times we did it right
3: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and i had a it was a regular it was it was a small bag and it was just i don't know what else i had inside the the bag maybe drinks or food or something but i was able just and I, i remember at the garden, they were like, what's this? And I said, Oh, it's just a regular, it's just a camera. All right. You know? And there was an incident, uh, like a boxing incident that happened where there was like a riot that broke out. I believe it was like late 95 or early 96. And I remember the security was even more tight at the garden for like, for, for, uh, events in general. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually, I said, well, they may not, you know, they, they may not even let us in with this thing. And then what do I do? You know, um, but to
2: my to my recollection, we never planned like, okay, let's hide this camera here, let's hide this. You got your tapes, hide, hide them here. I remember right. we just walk in, you had your camera on your side, this and that. Because the, the security would never think that a 16, 17-year-olds would go in and videotape a, a house show for what reason they need to.
0: Right. You
2: you would just open it up and if they actually asked, you would actually open it and say, oh, it's just a video, camera. And then they look at it, and they let you go, and we just walked in. We never smuggled. We never hid it. We never planned it. We never said, oh, we might get caught. But that was not on our mind. Our mind was, let's go in, enjoy the show, and tape the show.
0: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) See, now I don't think that would happen. but Or at least here in Birmingham, that would not happen. But basically, what you're saying is they just let you in with the camera because they just didn't expect anything bad. Yeah, we never <laughs> hid
2: the camera.
0: That's yeah. cool. That is really That's, cool. Yeah. I know being in Madison Square Garden had to be amazing too. That's like the mecca of wrestling, right? Oh yeah. Like, oh my god. Every
3: time it felt it felt like special, you know? And and they they always put on a good show there, you know. Especially especially the uh the cage matches. Um cage matches were rare for house shows. I don't know, and and it was just mm-hmm. It was just special to um, to 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 go and to see it live, especially the the old cage. You know, they do they don't do those cage matches anymore.
2: No, not that stuff. Of course. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, maybe one day I'll make it. We'll see, and I'll possibly see Barclays <laughs> too. Well, you never know. So, yes. did you ever expect the footage to reach WWE in any way? Well,
2: it actually leaked out accidentally to a dirt sheet writer well not accidentally but I, I was upset at, <laughs> yeah I was upset at Jay and I, I leaked it out to well, a it, yeah, dirt I sheet mean, writer I made a copy for him not knowing he was going to screw us over and then boom it airs October of 97 Raw not knowing that we're going to see our own footage here we are oh wow it's like what, what is this that's our footage why is it doing that two things I was upset about one was the fact that they aired our footage and I had no knowledge of that it was gonna air and why was this, not, this footage stolen? And two, they blocked out our voice. But the other thing was, I thought about was like, wait a second, why is WWE's quality so bad? Cause it's been copied over and over and over and over. And that was the first time it ever aired anywhere. And then years later, it's when it actually blew up. It never blew up until like the two thousands, later now. And now now it's like ridiculous. Because nobody mentioned back then, oh, you guys are responsible for taping that. You guys are responsible for Austin 316. You guys are responsible for the Attitude Era. You know, this a Triple H punish, this, that. None of that came to light until like a few years ago. I don't take responsibility for that. I think it would have happened anyway. But it's right. nice to know that people think of that. But the quality of their tape, when they aired it, it was like, oh, at least they could have gotten a nice quality tape of it. And uh, speaking of the tape, I might have one right next to me that could be the original. That's Oh. (laughs) oh. Boom. Oh, look
0: at that. Uh With, that is so the, cool. Uh, these
2: are yeah, these are the regular stickers from the magazines from the '90s. Uh-huh. Because Stephanie, back then, it wasn't considered the curtain call. People didn't call it anything mm-hmm. except maybe farewell to the click. So no. I just called it, and Jason just called it MSG bootleg or MSG uh, fair. Um, what would we call it? The click tape. It's mm-hmm. on a VHS tape with other stuff on it, and this this tape has only been viewed three times to protect its quality Uh-huh. and that's why the tab is ripped off so it can't be recorded over but this is this is the tape actually oh. so that so this is the part that A&E didn't I guess because the time or whatever they mm-hmm. ended my one hour interview into two minutes which is cool still but they didn't air this part but here you are seeing this live and in person
0: oh that's beautiful <laughs> that's the current
2: yeah that's the current doll tape <laughs>
0: I'm a sucker for nostalgia.
2: All, all all thanks to Jason. He did this for me.
0: Wow, that is so cool. So, did so basically the company didn't necessarily reach out to you guys in any way, you know, after that point back then. But had they reached out to you like years after the fact?
2: The the thing is, I never acknowledged that me and Jason the guys that filmed the curtain call for many, many years, maybe 10, 15 years or whatever it was, because just I was so upset how it got leaked out. So I never really reached out to WWE or anything like that. It was it was Jason that I think back in 2014 that reached out to them and said when they posted a, the video of the curtain call that hey we were the guys, me and Manny filmed this footage. That's when the WWE content contacted us for the first time in 2000 late 2014 for a click dvd that was coming out mm-hmm. other than that i would not even tell my friends like even my close friends my wrestling friends the people i did pro wrestling with anybody i would just take it out of my mind like I, it never existed because of the fact of how it leaked so it bothered me a lot but now i'm just i'm open to it I'm i talk to all the fans i everybody that messaged me every day and it's it's nice it's a nice feeling to know but but the thing is i always say this most people don't most people think i'm the guy that just filmed the current call and that's it but jason was the one that actually filmed it he's the one that brought the camera i was just tagging along as you know it was just it was just so much fun doing those things
3: yeah yeah and and, and manny is is spot on when he says uh, he says about you know you, about not getting noticed. I I don't think it really. Once the video was out there, I don't think anybody really cared who did it. As long as there was a video out there and it didn't really make sense, who would believe us anyway? You know, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, who would who would believe us? I mean, they would say, All right, what what's your proof then? What's your proof?" You know, oh, I have a video. Yeah, so do I. I have a video too. You know, how do I know yours is is, is legit? And um, you know, so I I was kind of like man we just kind of just forgot about it you know it was it's already out there and let, let it be let, let it be and we'll nobody would, but um is going to acknowledge us um and and in 2014 it was on the website um mm-hmm. they interviewed the some of the the the, the rustlers superstars sorry we can't say rustlers right manny we got to say yes we got to say superstars They they superstars. corrected us once yeah <laughs> and um so uh and there was a comment section. I, I don't know if they do that now, but there was a comment section, and I wrote, I wrote in, hey, this is this is uh, me and my friend Manny. We we filmed this. Uh, if anybody's interested, please, please, uh, please contact me. And I didn't think anybody was going to. I thought they would have deleted it, thought of it like a joke or something. And then months later, I got a uh, an email on my LinkedIn from a producer. Hey, is this the Jason Cosmetes who filmed the curtain call? I said wow is this wow this is real you know but i didn't understand why they wanted to contact me because they already had the footage they already had it on dvds they just had a click episode on the monday night war series Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and i thought if that was our chance you know that was it what else are they gonna do and the guy said no no we're we're gonna do a dvd we want to interview you guys are you available and I said, yeah, we're available, you know? And uh, I said, where are you located? I said, I'm in, I'm in Florida. And he said, all right, well, you're gonna be in New York? I said, no, but if you'll fly me up, I'll, I'll come up. And he said, no, that's not, that's not possible." I said, I said, for real, you know? But anyway, but, so they interviewed me down here when they were uh, in SmackDown, down here in, in, uh, in Florida. And um, so I did my interview there. Manny did his up in uh, Connecticut. He was able to go to the the headquarters and, and do it there, which was awesome. I'm kind of jealous about that. I wish we were together. That would have been very cool. Now, looking back in hindsight, I probably should have flew up. But at the time, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. Um, but yeah, that's that's how we got recognized. Finally, officially, we got recognized. We could we could say that. We're, uh, we're officially recognized by WWE, you know.
2: And, the, and the crazy part of that story is when I first walked into the WWE studios in Stafford, Connecticut, Kieran, the WWE producer, he said, we've been looking for you guys for a while. I'm like, "In my head, you could have found us so easily. We were yeah. already on Wikipedia or wherever. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> wow. wow. And, and, yeah, and there, yeah. there's a guy working there that knew who we were. Of course, because he's the one that played the rib <laughs> on me. On the phone, the time we got arrested with Triple H and uh, Scott Hall, it was actually Scott Hall's idea to get us arrested on backstage on Monday Night Raw. But it actually happened years before with our friend who works with WWE on the phone with me. He told me, you know, since you taped it, you know, WWE is going to send you a lawyer, um, a lawsuit, because because you acknowledge that you were the one that filmed it. I tried to get out of it, and then after a while, he's like, "Oh, I'm just ribbing you. It's a joke." I'm like, "Oh man!" After all that,
3: <laughs> and I, and and I guess, like Manny said, I guess that was probably one of the fears we had, is that there might be some legal ramifications. But I think because we were kids, we were under eighteen. I think we were good, and the fact that they're just using the video. I mean, if they were that bothered by it, why are they using it? You know. I mean, they got that thing all over the, you know, it's all over the place. They they love it because they don't have their own, you know, right. they, they turn, they turn their cameras off, yes. you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And normally you would think they would get something like that, but then they didn't. So it's just like, well, <laughs> it's yeah. theirs, you know, let's just use it. And, yeah. it's, and it's, it's cool that it turned out that way. So I can't even, you know, that's just an amazing story how that turned out for you guys so I want to ask you do you feel that your footage um, was sort of the prerequisite for where kayfabe is or isn't um, in this day and age for wrestling in terms of social media and interviews
2: I think um, it helped break kayfabe and you know change the business for forever as a lot of people like to say I mean I can always go with that even though But uh, can you imagine this? if this happened, let's say, in the 1960s or the 1970s in professional wrestling? If we were the guys that filmed something like this happening, what would happen is we would get death threats from the promoters. We would be hated by the fans. We would be wanted to be killed by the fans for doing something like this in the 60s and 70s. But since it happened in the 90s, we're like loved all over by everybody. Yeah. most of the comments and everything is positive. Oh, you guys created attitude there. You guys created Stone called Steve Austin. You guys created uh, this, that, this, that. It's like okay, I'll take it. I mean, everything's positive now. But if it was back then, can you imagine? We wouldn't be alive today. We'd be killed. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And and it's Manny. It's funny that you that uh, one of the things I wanted to to mention. Uh, I still didn't. Unfortunately, I still didn't finish watching the full Shawn Michaels documentary. I think I'm about halfway. One of okay. the things, and I I didn't even know about this, is that the Rockers won the tag team titles, and, they, and then they took it away from them. Yeah, so, because- you know, it, it's kind of and and that was but it was not televised, but there was people there in the in the in the audience that saw that. So what it like? Would it say, oh, it didn't really happen. It's fake news. <laughs>
2: You know? Yeah, it's like it didn't really happen. Even WWE shows it all the time now. It's like the titles changed that night. They were cha- they were actually champions. It's kind of like Andre the Giant win the world title. It's like he won it for you know whatever it was for a day. Whatever they so gave it to DiBiase, right. they didn't want to acknowledge it. Then they did, and then now it's official that he is. And then it's like the Rockers were actually tag team champions. Right
0: right and then it's like and then it's like the way I feel about it now is just I feel like what you guys did sort of triggered you know how we sort of watch wrestling now in terms of like we mentioned earlier with house shows and then with a lot of the stars on social media, you know, sharing, you know, a little bit more of their lives and not really, and basically giving off the impression that who they are is basically sort of separate from who they would be on television, or sometimes they'll utilize social media to sort of feed into their personality on TV. So I really think that 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 your footage, you know, is a part of that. And I feel like you guys deserve all the credit um, for that. Definitely. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, yeah,
3: I I did want to answer I, I know um I didn't quite answer the, the question that you had, but do I think it's it, it started it? I mean it, it definitely kicked it off where it was like, Okay, there is some behind the scenes stuff that fans were wanna know about, you know? Um but do I think it's becoming too much? Yeah, but that's largely due to the internet and social media and everybody's a busybody and needs to know and you know, they say inquiring minds want to know. So I just think that that's, that's the world that we, we live in. Even you've seen it in pro sports now, you know? It's like, it's not just, you know, uh, ball players, you know, they just go on and play ball, you know, whether they're, wh- whatever sport you are, there's always, oh, they have social media, they're doing this, they're doing that, you know? Um, they're more engaged, you know? It's not just, uh, this is, you're a fictional character on TV and, and that's it, you know, then you go and live your life. I mean, man, man he'll tell you, we saw C- Cactus Jack Mankind at S- Sabarro's with his family eating pizza uh, at the Sunrise Mall. Before he was in- Yeah, before he was in, in, in WWE, and like, and nobody was, he was just there. He was just chilling with his family, and, and we went up to him, hey, are you, you Cactus Jack? He's like, yeah. And <laughs> we just thought that was so cool, such a real moment. But I think, you know, nowadays, everybody would be pulling out their phones and want to take pictures and selfies. And, and we were just so, so cool about it with him, right? I mean, I think what his, when his daughter was probably there, I think she's a wrestler now.
2: Yeah. And the best <laughs> part of that, that day is I'll never forget from any wrestler because, you know, back then it was only dirt sheets and everything. You know, I'd bluntly asked him, you know, as a I was 16, whatever it was at the time, I was like, hey, are you ever going to go to WWF? And you know, he was in ECW at the time. He's like, oh, probably in about a year. Without even hesitating, he told me the truth because it actually happened almost a year later. Boom, yeah. the promos came in for Mankind. I, he was so truthful and honest with me. And like, wow, and, and back then it's like, oh, really? It's like, I had a wrestling hotline then, and I didn't even tell anybody that, you know? Mm-hmm. It was it was nice thing. You know, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Remember? Yeah. Remember a half hour later, he he came to a store that we were at. It's like, hey, KB Toys, KB Toys, yeah, yeah.
0: I miss that store. (laughs) What? Yes, (laughs) I miss that store so much. See, you guys are way better than me because if I saw if I saw Mick Foley anywhere, my face would have just been froze the whole time, like, ah, (laughs) and I would (laughs) have smiled the whole time and just said, you know how much I love him, and that's just it, Mm -hmm. like. I'm terrible. When sometimes I'm just really terrible when it comes to just saying stuff. It's just like anything will just come out of my mouth. Like whenever <laughs> I see somebody like that, it's it's crazy. Um so, did you guys ever did you guys feel like the clique had every right to sort of embrace each other in that moment or do you feel that maybe they should have just kept k-fabe alive and just not done that for the sake of television because in the biography that Shawn michaels had this past sunday rick flair was on there and he mentioned that if that had happened just like you did man manny if that had happened back then you know during his age during the 60s and 70s you know they would have been booed out of the building or just or possibly killed and all of that. So do you guys feel like they should have embraced or do you feel that they should not have?
2: I feel like they should well, have and it was done for the it was done for the right reasons. It never if you look at it now, it never hurt anybody. It only okay. helped the business, you know, if anything and helped us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I would say, um yeah, I mean, not knowing obviously now watching the 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 videos and the back stories and um you realize these guys were really close they were a tight-knit group that that was always together and they knew it was their last day of working with each other at least at that time so they wanted to do a send-off they wanted to say goodbye to everybody you know that was that was that was it so i mean hey they asked the boss and he said he said do it you know Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they, they wound up, they wound up doing it. And, um, you know, more, more, more power to them. I just wish those guys, you know, I think back, I just say, you know, I wish one of those guys stayed that year because WWF went, went to shit right after for a couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I would say if, I don't know, I would say I wish Kevin Nash stayed Uh, Scott Hall. He had his, his issues. But I wish uh, Kevin Nash stayed, and because uh, this—I know—going off course here, but I, at the time, um, you know, Brett wasn't there around that. He left. He took a little break um, after WrestleMania 12. Uh, Warrior was gone like a few weeks later, and then uh, Scott Hall and, and and Kevin Nash were all gone. You know, by by July, um, and those were four big guys that were gone, and then. Then you had um, the outside, then you had, you know, the bash at the beach when Hogan and they joined the NWO. That just, WCW went through the roof after that. And as a wrestling fan, you're like, wow, they're, they got the edge now, you know, at least for two years, you know, but yeah, that was the new generation era at its low point
0: yeah so essentially them leaving just triggered the mo- triggered the monday night war and everything that we know about it um i think you're probably the first person who's ever been on my show that called that basically outright said that wwe really wasn't <laughs> anything back then you know after they had left at that point but i'm glad you guys feel that way about them embracing because i felt the same way myself i was just like you know if they were best friends let them have their moment, (laughs) like let them hug each other and you know what
2: I always thought what if the video didn't exist and only those three pictures that the people from ringside or a couple of fans would it have been as big I don't know I don't think so but I think the video helped
3: yeah it just would have been like one of those like urban legends you know some people say it happened some people say it didn't happen um and you see nowadays in the news, I mean, video, you have video, it's just so powerful, you know, says, says so much. And uh, uh, what, you know, what, what they did uh, that night was, uh, was some something special. I mean, Manny will tell you um, before that, you know, the best moment that I house show was when Diesel won the belt, you know, when uh, he wanted a match square garden against Bob Backlund in like eight seconds. And, and, uh, and at that time, it, I thought it was awesome. Looking back now, I thought it was the dumbest idea because it made absolutely no sense from a wrestling storyline point of view where he just became – he went from a bad guy of like a night or two before into a good guy into world champ. And it's like there was no build-up. There was no build-up. Like, yeah.
2: Lex Luger <laughs> slam. Yeah, let's yeah. bring Lex Luger out <laughs> and slam yoga. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing.
3: Yeah, it, it just made no sense, but I was – I was a mark, but it was I, cool.
2: But it was yeah, cool. it was, was it
3: awesome. was cool, un, unexpected. Um, and then you know, obviously WWE they 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 taped it. You know, it was a short match, but Manny got his hands on a bootleg of that event. I was like, wow, you got a bootleg of this, you know? And Manny, the quality was it was poor. It was like a the generational loss. And and uh, what prompted me to start taping shows is that just buying a lot of these bootlegs from these tape traders that I pay like 20 25 bucks for of my you know my uh shoveling snow money which was a lot back then you know and it just was just poor quality it was like you know what I can do a better job than this and I will do a better job than this you know yes (laughs) you know just didn't have no idea that I was going to be uh taping the the most memorable uh rustling moment of the 90s you know or most controversial moment, if you want to, you know.
0: Okay, so I want to ask you, how has, it, has this moment exactly changed your lives for the better in terms of the present?
2: Uh, for me, it, I actually acknowledge it now. I used to just hide away from it for years. Now it's like pretty much an everyday thing because I get messages all the time, all the time a lot of similar questions but that's okay too from fans all over but i'm okay with it now you know everything's good you know i'm okay with being known as the current call kid or being the guy that was annoying or was the screaming mark and you know jay was the guy with the camera going crazy so i'm i'm okay with it it's cool
3: yeah same here i i don't really it doesn't really change me i just think it's cool you know to just just get recognized you know something we did as as a kid i mean if you told us back when at the time hey uh, you guys are going to be recognized you guys will be on dvds and such and and podcasts and, and all that i would have said i would probably would have said no way you know i probably would have I, I wouldn't have been able to comprehend it but um You know, I'm not, I don't have, I don't have a a presence really on social media. Um, I have just a Facebook page, but I just, you know, it's for family stuff, but, um, no, it's cool. I just, I read the comments on YouTube. Um, very interesting comments from fans. And I do, I do, um, I do reply from time to time, a lot of misconceptions, you know, that people feel, they think we're like, you know, millionaires, they think, you know, they, they think that, um, that uh you know they just think that we that wd bought the rights or something it's just it's just it's it's a lot of crazy stuff that that people think but a lot of people don't realize is that uh legally um what we did was wrong and and, uh you know it just um
2: what about the confiscating comments oh oh, they confiscated the tape (laughs) yeah right
3: yeah yeah they thought that they confiscated the tape that they, they 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 took everything from us and and then you know but um no but there was once where they did confiscate a, at a nasa coliseum got a little too close to the ring thought maybe i can film a little closer to the ring mm-hmm. and, and then like security guard said they basically said give me the tape and i had to had to give up the tape but uh, fortunately it was a, a really weak house show you know
2: good and I, and, the, and i always messed with him i would say the reason why they took your tape because I wasn't with you at that one. You brought
1: your
3: other friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't looking out for me, you know. But uh, yeah, just a lot of a lot of cool stuff, you know, a lot of cool cool comments, and it's just like I just think it's it's basically what's happening with everything t- today, you know. N- nostalgia's big. What what didn't seem as popular back then is now popular now because people, especially during the pandemic, they're reminiscing of the good times, you know, and. And I think that's that's very important, that we all reflect that, yeah, the, you know, times were good and they will be good again, but we got to get there.
2: Yes, you know? and WWE Network and Peacock Network is, is doing great things for, as far as documentaries go, keeping people entertained, they're doing a great job. So much love to WWE for what they did for us and what they're doing.
0: Well, that's pretty good to hear you know how it sort of affected your lives but then it's good that you guys are just have that good relationship you know with them because of that event and how and just how you know it's impacted wrestling history even now because we're still talking about it and that was 25 years ago today so that's just a yeah. really cool thing yeah <laughs> Manny's like <"Whew."
2: laughs> yeah,
0: yeah but- it's
3: funny it's funny you say that because um, I think back, I'm like, well, if I was, if we were back in the mid nineties and somebody brought up something that happened, you know, 25 years ago, say like in the you know early seventies or like, I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have cared. I would have been like that, you know, what does that have to do with what happens today? You know, mm-hmm. but it's just different. It's just different. I think as, as we're in this generation now where, you know, things Things are just fresh with this digital age and things are online. Everything kind of stays fresh, you know, and people's minds. So things kind of live a little bit longer than they than they used to.
0: Definitely. So um, who are some of your favorite wrestlers now, per se? Like male or female?
2: For me, I would say uh, I've been a big fan of Royal Marines. I like what he's doing
0: okay i like roman reigns too i love what he's doing as well it's really interesting he's probably the most compelling he's been in like the past couple years and i love it so much
3: um i can't answer that because i don't really i don't really watch wrestling if i say goldberg i mean that's kind of you know oldberg but (laughs) you know he's still wrestling so i guess you know that's uh but much credit to him he's, he's still going But I guess he Or Brock Lesnar You know Those guys are still Going um, That's That's really it I'm sorry I wish I had uh, You know What's his name The Miz Is he mm-hmm. still wrestling
0: Yes he is
3: He yeah. actually just got he injured is, okay.
0: though. Injured for like The very first mm-hmm. time um, So he's out right now But he is still wrestling He's still active
3: yeah, there was a good documentary I was watching the other night on the WWE Network.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, yeah, he, he he took a lot of crap on his way up. Uh, so he, he paid his dues, you know, good for him. I didn't realize because he was on the reality show. The reality uh, was the real world. And then he was on Tough Enough and then. He just was the Oh you're the real world guy You know No he but he, he, uh,
2: he he deserves everything he's got And you watch yeah. that Yeah You watch that Wrestlemania 27 main event Where he comes out And he fights Cena Even though he loses That made him a star He is a star You know Nobody can yeah. deny that
0: and I was at that WrestleMania, too. That was in Atlanta. <laughs>
2: Very nice. I know that's
0: the one that everybody kind of critically craps on, but I don't care. I was happy I was there. I was 17, okay. so you know, forget it. <laughs> that is my WrestleMania. Forget y'all. That's your moment.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, WrestleMania 11 was my memorable, and it, that gets crapped on as the worst WrestleMania. So, you know. Oh, really? So uh,
0: so people crap on that one worse than they crap on 27?
2: WrestleMania 11 I was guess. the worst. Wow. Me and Jason okay. went to that one. Mm-hmm. It, felt like a, it felt like a house show. And it pretty much was. Mm. <laughs>
3: yeah. And that was in Connecticut. I mean, the main... A, yeah. It
2: was a bad experience. The, first WrestleMania. the main
3: event... The main event was... Uh, Lawrence Taylor against Bam Bam Bigelow. And, and the winner at the end of the night wasn't even a wrestler.
0: Wow.
2: Think yeah. about that. And Bam Bam... <laughs> was the star then right because he, he deserved yeah. everything he got I mean it was just yeah. well and of course Sean lost so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well um, what does the future hold for the both of you
2: Okay, yeah, you want to go first uh,
3: yeah I hope uh, I hope my my uh, cryptocurrency turns around <laughs> Um, it's really down right now, but anyway, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the future holds. I mean, I thought after the, I thought after the, um, uh, I thought after the, uh, we did the DVD, the click DVD, and then the, the raw segment, I thought that was it. I thought that was the end. You know, we, we did our interview. That's it uh time time to move on it's it's uh we already recognized and then I got a call from a producer last year um he contacted me um wanted to do the interview for the the Shawn Michaels DVD and I talked to him for about an hour and we were he just he was not did not really know too much he was an old school wrestling guy but he wanted to know more about the curtain call and what happened and how, how we got involved, you know, what was our involvement with the whole uh, recording and all that. And I, and I explained to him and, and it was like the height of COVID. It, it was like the, the peak of COVID and he was going to come and interview me. He interviewed Manny uh, cause he's up in up North. And unfortunately due to COVID, it, we just weren't able to get together. Uh, so, so Manny was able to, to take, take the torch oh it's i don't know what the word the word is but uh he was a spotlight.
2: Able to <laughs> a
3: spotlight. yeah and um uh so he did he did a great job representing uh, the both of us and uh interviewed for that and then i don't know i don't know what else the, the future holds i mean if wwe calls us for some some special event or something or or maybe they might have a you know a um real um uh, what's the word like a type of uh, uh, I don't want to say Hall of Fame with uh, if they have like say memorabilia that. <laughs> memorabilia you know maybe we'll, we'll we'll have something there but I don't know they still have to have a they still have to have a building I'm sure they'll have a wing of nostalgic stuff you know that's why they probably have this show but um, we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, I just wish all this happened like you know not uh 20 something years later i wish a lot of it happened sooner when we were we were um younger but you know what hey it, it it's happening now because the times have changed you know and and that's that's great so
2: count your blessings absolutely i agree with you 100 percent and uh for me it's just as far as wrestling or WWE. i mean i'll still keep doing these podcasts um At first, I was against them. I didn't really want to do them. I I told myself that. There's no no need for me to actually do them. But I said, you know what? Let me do them. They're fun. And I told Jay, I'm just going to cancel all of them. But it (laughs) turned out the other way, Jay talked me into it. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll I'll do all all of them that were booked for. And uh, probably in about, I don't know, I'm guessing five years, there might be physical WWE museum so that's probably our next place that we'll wind up in for the tape obviously and uh, so looking forward to that
0: okay well Manny and Jason I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast Um, thank you
3: Stephanie yeah like
0: thank you guys so much like I'm really honored to talk to you both So if you can just tell people, you know, where to follow you and where to, you know, find you on social media and just anything that you've got going on and stuff, you you may do so now.
2: Sure, I'm on Facebook Manny Motadi, M A N I M O H T A D I, and then I'm also on Instagram as WWE Curtain Call King. That's all. And um.
3: Yeah, like I said, I just have a Facebook page with, you know, my my name. Uh, if anybody wants to feel free to reach out to me and message me, I'll be more than happy to uh, reply. And uh, that's really it.
2: And yes, he's the real current ball kid, not me. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just
3: the annoying guy. We're, we make a good tag team
0: exactly (laughs) exactly well thank you guys so much for coming on the hardy wrestling podcast you guys take care
3: thanks thank you stephanie take care
0: All right, so I want to thank Manny and Jason for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. They definitely did not have to do that, um, but I'm really happy that they chose to come on and talk to me on the 25th anniversary um, of them recording the curtain call moment between the click. They really didn't have to do that, but they did, and I'm really grateful for them for talking to me and showing me and telling us all the stories that they've told us you know, on this episode. So, um... If you want to listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, you can listen to me everywhere podcasts are available. That's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and even on YouTube, where I have video versions of the interviews, some of the interviews that I've done, and really just the entire audio um, clips of the um, of the episodes there. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and on Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod. Pod. Um, And be on the lookout for my newest episode that I'm going to release this weekend with Miss Jen from Miss Thiccums TV on TikTok. So um, I hope you're being your best self and I hope you're being safe because there's still a pandemic going on. And I hope that, you know, in the midst of everything, you're still pushing through and just being the light of the world and not necessarily, you know, contributing to the darkness of the world because there's so much of that. So. Until next time, really until next weekend, this is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. And until next time, bye, y'all.